This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. On Sabbath, uh, October 8th, we'll begin our bold justice ministry year with at least four house meetings as part of our listening process. We'll be reaching out to some of you, inviting you to our house meetings. It will be held right here, right after our second service on the 8th of October in four of our classrooms. For those who are not familiar with Bull Justice, allow me to give you just a short introduction. Uh, Bull Justice stands for Broward Organized Leaders Doing Justice. We have some 23 congregations throughout Broward County working to solve critical community problems. We're not a service provider, but a grassroots, direct action, multi-issue organization. (laughs) And we become a powerful force in seeking to improve the life of our brothers and sisters here in Broward County. When you attend our house meetings on October 8th, you'll hear about the three major issues that we're currently working on. We're working on permanent supportive housing for the mentally ill. Our research shows us that A lot of the folks who are homeless are actually plagued with mental illness and that if given supportive housing, they can not only be treated, but they can be restored. We're working on seeking to reduce the unnecessary rest of our brothers and sisters here in the the county For minor offenses, folks not paying a fine, one young man who had playing ball, his ball went over his neighbor's yard, he went to retrieve it, he was 12 years old at the time and had one of those neighbors who called the police, he was arrested for trespassing, the case was thrown out, but years after, When he applied for a job, the arrest record came up. He had to spend hundreds of dollars getting that expunged. Another issue we're looking at is care for creation. Broward County and the state of Florida ranks fourth when it comes to heat exhaustion and folks getting into the ER for heat exhaustion. 2010, FPL did a study that showed that if we plant more canopy trees, we could reduce heating significantly. 
but we want to come on out on October 8th. You will get calls to join us uh, for our house meetings. I understand that a meal will be provided, uh, Sister Norma, and I'll be bringing my special pasta stew. You got to be there to taste that. <laughs> All right. So as we continue worship with a study of God's word, we'll do so with the caption, Mind the Gap. What's the topic? Mind the Gap. Let's turn our attention to our focus passage, Isaiah 58 and verse 12, reading from the New King James Version's rendition. The Bible says, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. This is the word of God, and I believe it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the movement of your spirit in the service thus far. And as we continue now with the study of your word, we pray that you will remove every distraction, you will arrest every attention, and that you will speak to and through this feeble, mortal lump of clay, words of truth, words of hope we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Mind the gap. For those of us who've had occasion to visit the UK, and by the way, they're going through a period of mourning as they lost one of their longest serving, if not the longest serving monarch in modern history, some 70 years, and regardless of what you think of her, of her performance, that is really significant, 70 years. But if you've ever gone to the UK, and particularly the city of London, and have traveled on their subway system, they call it the tube, you cannot miss those three words. They are emblazoned on the platform and repeated ad nauseum by the train announcer. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. These words serve as a caution to commuters to be aware of the gap or the space between the subway platform and the entrance of the train. Mind the gap. They're simply saying, watch where you place your feet as you're entering and exiting the train. Look where you are stepping because your feet can get caught, can get wedged between the train and the subway platform. So mind the gap. You know, to say that 2020 was an eventful year for us is a gross understatement. 2020, it was a year that we experienced a surge in the COVID-19 pandemic. It was a year of shutdown, sheltering in place social distancing, mask wearing, 20 seconds or more hand washing. All these became part and parcel of our global lexicon and lifestyle. 
2020, many people around the globe and in this country became infected by and some succumbed to this deadly virus, 2020. It was also the year that the killings of Ahmed Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd became flashpoints and rallying cries for a new generation. A new generation that poured out into our streets and marched all over this country and indeed the globe. A new generation that assumed the mantle of the struggle, that took on the fight for justice and equity. A new generation that bellowed in our ears, Black Lives Matter. These two seminal moments, the COVID crisis, and the march for equity. These two moments highlighted the huge gaps that exist in our society today. These moments showed us the disparities in which we continue to see in our day. It was nigh neighbor impossible to miss the fissures between the fortunate few and the unfortunate many. The fortunate few and the unfortunate many. 2020, the gaping gaps grabbed us by the collar and demanded our immediate attention. Today in our focus text, the prophet relays those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and no neighbor. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Now, let me zoom out a bit and note the, the historical setting and context in which we find our verse Verse 12, as you read verse 12, you'll notice that the themes of rebuilding and restoration is resident in the verse. And these themes speak to a post-exilic time in the life of Israel. This is a time and a setting after they have returned from Babylonian captivity. It was a time for nation rebuilding. The vestiges of the Babylonian uh, invasion were still visible as per Nehemiah and Ezra. And as per Nehemiah and Ezra, the rebuilding of the nation began with the restoration of worship. The restoration of what? The restoration of what? The restoration of worship. The ceremonial rites and rituals that were meant to endear the people of God to Yahweh, endear the people of God to himself. The ceremonial rites and rituals that pointed to Messiah who would come had been reactivated. But as we zoom in a bit on the chapter, chapter 58, I want you to know, neighbor, that in this chapter of Isaiah, one of the questions that emerges is this. Is this about your own interest or the interest of God? 
That is, is your worship about you or your worship about God? That is, is your worship to God about what you can get from God? And so for that reason, you'll find that the verse addresses the subject, listen to me carefully, of the fast that pleases God. Succinctly stated, God says in the previous verses to our verse of emphasis, God says that you cannot treat others unjustly and unfairly, that you cannot be taking advantage of the disadvantaged and think that merely performing the ritual of fasting or any religious ritual for that matter, that somehow you're going to appease me. God says your pretentious piety in no way conceals the fact that you've been preying on the poor and the powerless. In other words, God is saying you can't be doing your dirt in the week and come to church expecting me to bless you. God is saying you can't be mistreating others in the week and being unfair to others in the week and not care about the, those who are less fortunate in the week but yet show up in my house saying you're worshiping me. As a matter of fact, I want you to note what he says in verse 5 through to verse 7 of chapter 58. Listen to God. God says, is it a fast that I've chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul, Isaiah 58, verse 5, guys, verse 5. Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord? Verse 6. Is it not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? He's going to be a preacher one day. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. And verse 7, God says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Now neighbor, I want to encourage you to read this entire chapter of Isaiah. Perhaps today as Martha is reheating the veggie fish for lunch, as she's doing that, I want to encourage you. Spend some time and read this chapter of Isaiah. Because the picture that is, that is created here, Andrew, that develops in this, in this chapter is quite telling. Listen to this. God is saying in this chapter that he was repulsed by their religiosity. That he was repulsed by their religiosity. That in the exercise of their faith, they had missed one of the most important elements, which is God's order of compassionate justice. In their worship, of God, they missed that God is very concerned about matters of justice and fair play. 
And so watch this. God says to them, God says to them in verse 3, that fasting while mistreating your laborers is congruent. Let me say it again. God says fasting while mistreating your laborers is congruent. They don't go together. You can't be mistreating your subordinates. You can't be mistreating your employees. But come to church on Sabbath to worship me. The two are incongruent. They don't go together. Years ago, I had worked as a painter in D.C. And um, the fellow who got the contract, I, I knew him and of him. And, and while I was working there, I got on the side. In a matter of weeks, I became the, the union rep of sorts, unofficially. Because what was happening was the fellow was, had these workers and he was not paying them on time. You see, how many of you appreciate that money has a time element to it? It's not, about, it's not about the money you get, but it's when you get the money. Hello? And, 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 and after two weeks of working, and, 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 and some of you know painting is not, is not pencil pushing, right? When you're painting, it's not pencil pushing. It's rolling and standing on, on feet and prepping and, and preparing the surfaces and patching. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. And I remember after two weeks... When my pay was not forthcoming the Friday, the Monday morning at, at 4 a.m., because I'm an early person at 4, I went knocking at his door. He said to me, who is that? I said, it's me. He said, but it's 4 a.m. I said, I'm here for my money. He said, but it's 4 a.m., but I said, I'm here for my money. And I remember a fellow came to me and they, they called me Pastor on the site. He said, Pastor, you know, I have worked for four weeks now and he has not paid me. And I went to him today, it was Friday in the evening, and he told me that it's his Sabbath. And I said to him, you go and tell him that I said to tell him that he can't go to worship God tomorrow unless he pays you today. God says in the verse, verse 3, that you can't be fasting while you're mistreating your workers. And in verse 4, it gets more interesting because God says that fasting and fighting are not compatible. Fasting and fighting are not compatible. In other words, the picture that's painted here, Elder Barbara, is that folks who are in church and right after service, they're fighting in the parking lot. And you wonder if the, if the service had any impact on them. No, why? Because they came not to worship God, but they came to see what they could get from God. God said further. God said further, listen to me carefully, that fasting while ignoring the plight of the poor and the disadvantaged amounts to sheer hypocrisy. Let me say it again. That fasting or whatever religious stuff we do while ignoring the plight of the poor and the disadvantage amounts to sheer hypocrisy. And then our verse for emphasis, verse 12, God says, 
talking about restoration, talking about advocacy, God says, those from among you shall build the old waste places. Those from among you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And notice, those from among you shall be called repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Allow me, neighbor, allow me to purport today that ours as people of faith, that ours is not a call to mind the gap, but to mend the gap. Let me say it again, that God is not calling us as his agents of change, as his agents of faith. God is not calling us to simply mind the gap, but God is calling us to mend the gap. You see, to mind the gap, would mean that we would simply be showing people how to navigate an already broken and unjust system. To mind the gap would mean that we would be teaching people how to avoid getting caught up in the system. Minding the gap is equivalent to helping people to accept and tolerate dysfunctionality. Mind of the gap would mean that we are slapping a band-aid on a gaping womb. So God is not calling you and I to mind the gap, but God is calling you and I to mend the gap. And let me now be prescriptive and not descriptive. Ours is a call to mend the gap when it comes to racial and gender disparities and inequalities. Ours is a call to mend the gap as it relates to affordable housing for our homeless brothers and sisters, most of them mentally ill, who team our city streets. Ours is a call to mend, not mend, but mind the gap to ensure, to ensure that the justice system is not just us, but all of us. We must mend the gap because too many of our brothers and sisters are falling through the gap and they're ending up on the streets. We must mend the gap because too many of our brothers and sisters, particularly those of color, are falling through the gap and landing into prisons. Too many of our neighbors are getting their feet wedged into poverty. And so God has called us to be repairers of the breach and restorers of streets to dwell in. Let us not be learning and then teaching others how to navigate the gap. But let's mend the gap. The two things I have to remind myself of whenever I go, go back home uh, to Jamaica, there are two things I have to remind myself of. Number one, to drive on the left. And number two, to, to make a mental note of potholes. I gotta know the route and, 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 and know that on this particular route, on this particular street, there are five potholes. One is to the left, one is to the right, one is in the middle. And so I make a mental record of that so I can navigate as I drive those streets, Elder Tony. 
The problem I have with some of us in the church is that we want to teach people how to navigate potholes, not fix potholes. That we don't want to address the problems that are systemic. That we're quick to address symptoms. We're quick to pacify people. We're quick to slap a band-aid on a gaping wound when God calls us to do the real work. The real work that requires us to show up to advocate for those who have lost their voice. The real work in becoming intolerant to inequities and disparities. The real work to make changes and brighten the corner where we are. The real work to ensure that justice and fair play resonates through our society. Because God has called me, and God has certainly, I believe, called you not to be minding gaps, but to be mending gaps. I want to close with a quote from an interview that the late, great Bob Marley gave in 1979. And I'm going to read it verbatim. And, and for that matter, some of you may need a translator. You can see me after the service. <laughs> but the interview had asked Bob Marley about his life and his impact on others and and the tremendous success that he had garnered. And, and he responded this way. My life not important to me. But other people's life important. My life is only important if we can help plenty of people. If my life is just for me and my own security, then I don't want it. My life is for people. That's the way me is. See me after service for translation. <laughs> He understood that life was about making a positive impact on others. Amen. And I believe that in this individualistic culture, a culture that celebrates only me, myself, and I, God is asking you and I, what are you doing with your life? Are you having an impact on anybody? Is anybody's life being made better because of your existence? Or is your existence all about all you can get? Is it about getting all you can and then canning all you get? One well, of my favorite songs, sung by the late, great Mahalia Jackson, says, if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody how they're traveling wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. I want God to use my life to make a difference in the life of others. 
I want God to use the skills, the talents, the time, the opportunities that he has given to me to impact the life of others. Because as the prophet said, if my life is just about me, then I want it. If my life is just about my desires and my goals and my aspirations, then at the end of it all, what difference will it really make? As part of the job, I conduct funerals. And I remember when I was an intern in Jamaica, it seems like every Sunday there was a funeral. I had one of those uh, senior pastors, Pastor Mike, that he gave me all the, the funerals of the people who were not that important. And he did the important people's funerals. And uh, I had one of those. And uh, it seemed that almost every Sunday, I, because, you know, we were the only church that did funerals on Sunday. And so I was doing all these funerals. But I've observed the countless eulogies that I've heard that the most important element was what impact did this person's life have on others? Not how much money they had. Not how many degrees they attain, Andrew. But what impact Tremendous impact. A friend of mine was at a funeral recently. He said, Rose, it was an amazing thing. The man had died. 21 children, nine different women, all showed up at the funeral. And one of them went up and gave a remembrance and said he had a lot of children, but he loved all his baby mothers. That's all she remembered. God has not put me here just to bring children in the world and, and all. But God has placed me here to affect positively the life of somebody. The praise team is going to sing and I'm going to return and call you to commitment. A commitment that will say that you want God to use your life to make a difference in the life of someone else. Please stand with us as we tell God that our desire is just to give him our heart. Sing this is Within me, and 
about the miracle of conception the multiple cells that have to line up and be at work I appreciate that every child who comes into this world is a gift from God and that for every life God has a purpose and that purpose is never selfish that purpose is always selfless it's always to be of service 
I don't know what God is calling you in this regard, but I know He's calling you to service. To step outside of your own self-interest and just be used by God. And I thank God that at this church we have, we have Steve, right? Multiple ministries that you can get involved and be selfless. That you can spend time just doing service for others just because they need it. No strings attached. No profit to you. Save the personal satisfaction knowing that you made a difference in the life of somebody. God is calling you to that today. But oh friends, it begins, doesn't it, with a, with a, with, with a surrendered heart to Jesus. To say, Lord, I give you everything. I give you my heart. I want you to use me. For those of us who are watching online and who watch in the future, there you have that tab that says next step. Go ahead and click the tab or reach out to us. We'd like to be with you in your walk to Him. But in prayer, Father God, we thank you so much for the time we spend together in worship. Your word, we confess, challenged us today. Your word reminded us that you want us to be repairers of the breach, restorers here in this culture. So many gaps need mending and filling. So many of our brothers and sisters, they're falling through the cracks. Oh Lord, we want to be used by you to make someone's life better. That's all we ask. And so we surrender all to you. We pray for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl who's not yet known the joy of a surrendered life. Through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, you speak to their heart even now and help them to come to know that the best friend to have is Jesus. The best time to have him is now. We thank you and we praise you. We leave this setting, but never your presence. Rest, remain, and abide with us. Use us for your glory, we ask. In the name of Jesus and all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. L.U.B. ushered out. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation's Seven-Day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.